0: Larry Thompson, Elder Larry Thompson. No, I'm not Pastor Marcus Wright. A little bit taller. So on behalf of Red Truth Ministry family, the Wright family, we bid you good morning and pray that your day is going well. Uh, wherever you are in the world, here in Florida, it's normally sun but today we got a little rain. But we still have a word from God. So um, we want to get into the word today. So we're going to have our confession of faith. Please repeat after me. Um, if you have your Bible, please grab it. Um, here at the Word of Truth, we believe the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelations, we do not compromise the Word of God. For revelations 22 19 of the king james bible states if any man takes away from the word of this book of this prophecy god shall take away his part from the book of life and the holy city and from the things which are written in this book the word of truth the bible builds faith which empowers purpose all right now we're going to have our confession of faith also, part of this one. Uh, this is our Bible. We believe every word from Genesis to Revelations. We live by it. We confess it. We trust it. We are led by it, and we stand on it. All right. So today, we're going to jump right into the message. Um, we're going to come from a a unique place. We're going to kind of go back and forth between the Old Testament and then go into the New. All right, just to sort of tie the whole thing together. Uh, for those that like titles and different things of that nature. Uh, The title of this particular uh, sharing will be called Containers and Content, um, which is going to be important as we go through. So remember the title, Containers and Content. Okay, so as we we talk in our current society, different things, different times, different vernaculars, different jargons, right? Uh, We have few occasions to use certain words that have tremendous significance in scripture. And because we don't understand those words sometimes, or we don't apply them correctly, we lose out on our understanding when we start to read the Bible. So, one of those things that we're going to go through today is found in Malachi. The third chapter, the second and the third verse. All right. Now, some of us we may never heard of this word before. Some of us have heard of it and just really never paid any mind. But in the Bible, it has significance. The, The word is called refiner. All right. So in Malachi. the third chapter in the second verse in the third verse it uh, it refers to him as a refiner and the him that is referring to as Jesus Right, so but to get a better understanding of the earthly turn of what a refiner is and what a refiner does Let's go to the word of God. I mean go to dictionary. So dictionary.com says uh, a person a device or a substance that removes impurities sediments or other unwanted matter from something Right, So it's a person or a device or a substance that remo- removes impurity, sediment, or other unwanted substances from unwanted matter from something. Okay, so that helps a little bit. Now we understand what a refiner does, right? So what does refiner work on? They have a purpose, right? So they, they have a title. So now they, what's the action? What's the outcome of it, right? So let's look and see what a refiner works on. A refiner works on different things, such as, uh, according to Merriam-Webster, they work on metal, sugar, and oil. And their purpose is to remove the impurities from the material. So that way, when you receive the metal, or you receive the sugar, or you receive the oil, it's pure. It, it actually serves its purpose. It, it, it's meek for the task that you want to place it to, right? But what we're going to focus on is the oil. In this particular topic we're going to focus on the oil. So the sugar is good, the metal is good, but the oil is significant in the scriptures. So there are few uses for oil and natural uses, right? So we have heat, oil could be converted into gasoline, It's one of the materials that's used for a fragrance, It's used for processing food and health and beauty aids. Oil is viewed in some locations, in certain regions, in certain types of boardrooms, in certain. Stock exchanges, it's a type of capital. It's like influence. You you gain power when you have the right oil. You, you, you have the right amount of oil. You can walk into a room and you can leverage your, your power based on the oil that you have in your reserve. Right? So, but we're gonna look at this thing in the in the context of Malachi 3 and 2. The writer captures some pretty interesting points about God's people. So before we get into that, let's let's get a little background. So in Malachi, we we go to that a lot of times when it comes to like tithes and offering, different places, different churches, right? But what the theme of Malachi was, they were returning back to where God called them to be. They had finally got out of captivity. They finally got out of bondage. They finally got out of the things that were holding them down and caused them all kinds of stress, all kinds of pain, all kinds of generational hurt. And they finally made it back home. And so now that they're home and they're in the place that they're back in Jerusalem and they're with God. That's the place where God said that he's going to always place his love there. So he'll always meet with us there. He'll always meet with us in a place that he has ordained and established for us to be alone with him. So now he's meeting his people there and they're coming back from captivity and he's healing them. And he's they're joyful and they're happy and they're excited. But the weird thing is prior to them coming back home, he said, Lord, if you get us out of here, when we get back home we'll worship you in your temple we'll make your place of praise we'll make the temple a place a place of praise we'll make it a place of worship and adoration we'll turn that place that was once the thing that we turned our back on and forsook we're going to make it our priority we're going to set it first and foremost we're going to put it in the foreground because It represents the place that you will meet with us and we will meet with you. And all of a sudden now, we will never be alone again. We won't be broken again. We won't be torn apart. I won't have those damages that I have from choosing my own way and my own path because we're going to choose you. So in the process of doing all those things, they get back home. And then with Jesus, and then with the Father, and then with the Holy Spirit in our time, right? We think about it in our time frame. So now all of a sudden, they're back. They're home. They feel safe. But then all of a sudden, they kind of started drifting away from the things that they promised that they would do. They got a little slack with it. They got a little stagnant with it. And all of a sudden, they became a little complacent. God became common. He became the norm. So on those days that they would have to go and worship and the different sacrifices that they had to make, they kind of got kind of lax with it. They kind of said, well, you know, God understands. If he hadn't left us in bondage, we wouldn't have to go through these problems and have to work our way back. So that's why I'm having lack right now. So when it says, shall a man rob God? He was really saying that, are you going to turn your back on me after I brought you out? After I brought you back home and I prepared your place, I kept your place from destruction. It could have been utterly wiped out, but God kept us from being utterly consumed as the scriptures teaches us. So with that in mind, so that's the mindset we to, These people are going back and if you want to think about it, these are our spiritual elders So there's nothing new under the Sun. At times we become kind of complacent when it comes to the things of God too Some of us actually think that well the building that we can't get back to right now or the, the the edifice that's the temple but you're the temple He wants to light you up He wants to light me up. He wants to light us up in such a way that when those that don't believe see us. They see him. So let's go into it. All right. So time goes by. They're back. They're going through their baby phase. You know, they're they back. They're in love with God again. But then we go down to Malachi 3. God begins to talk, call them to the carpet. And he begins to explain to them what he's about to put them through. And he says in Malachi 3.3, and he shall sit as a refiner and purify of silver and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi. Now, the sons of Levi were priests. That's his royal priest, right? That you're a royal priesthood. You and I, we are royal priests. So the same situation there is the same situation now. Right? So he's going to purify the sons of Levi and purge them as of gold and silver. Remember the gold and silver. That, he may, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering and righteousness. So if you have your Bible, please keep along. Just keep up with me. So that way you can see it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go to the scriptures. Read it for yourself. That way you can, you can hold it accountable, right? So the verse describes the Lord as one of the numbers. What is number one in understanding that the material is receiving his attention has been created with great potential and we all see that we have great potential the church has great potential but it must be refined to become useful to the work and the purpose he has intended once it reaches its optimal effectiveness so that it proves the honor and glory of the master of the house in which the vessel will abide so now he's going to he's going to make this glass he's going to take this vessel he's going to take This gold and silver, he's going to burn off all the impurities. He's going to heat it up to the point where it's now flexible. It's releasing everything that's not needed to give him honor that he's going to get from. it. And he's going to do the same thing with us. We need to expect that because at the same time, when God takes takes the material, he knows the value in us. He knows the extent, the, the intended end that he has for us. He knows the plans that he has for us Jeremiah 29 11 right so when we go through these particular moments he's looking at us he said at the end of this this vessel will be highly effective in my hand right so let's take a peek at the process so in this particular part like we said the oil right now he's He's gonna work on the vessel right now we're gonna focus on, focus on the oil and then at the end we're gonna focus on the vessel again The oil is harvested by the laborers that the master has grace to work in his fields. Right. So we're all laborers working in the field. And at one time we were once the the olive that was in the field. Then the olive is separated from the cluster. Sometimes we get pulled away. From the things that we once were, because now we're born again. And it seemed like the friends that we used to have. Things just don't vibrate like it used to. I don't feel comfortable in those type of environments. So God is working on pulling us away. And he's asking us, will you let those things go? But it's hard. But we have to remember that the process is the process. You got to endure the process, right? So then the oil is separated from the cluster and placed into a location to be pressed and mashed to extract the precious substance from the meat or the fruit. So what we once were, we want to take that into the kingdom. And God is saying, no, I, I need to make you over again. I need for me to be made over again. He wants us to, he wants to do something different in our life. We have to be conformed. We have to be changed. We have to be transformed, right? So with all of those things that he's doing in us, we feel uh, a little incompetent. We feel a little bit clumsy. We feel like we just don't fit in anywhere. But that's a good thing. Because you've never seen the place that, going to take, that he's going to take you to. You've never seen the, the desired end that he has for you. you. You haven't seen, we haven't seen the expectations that he has for us. So, of course, we're going to feel a little uncomfortable. It's almost like you want to step back. Because at least I knew what this was. I know what's going on behind me. I'm familiar with that. That's for me, That's normal. Even though it's chaotic, even though it caused me pain, even though it made me cry, even though it made me run away, even though it bruised me and it beat me and it battered me and it left me laid for dead almost. At least I can go back to that. But God is saying, no, I'm I'm a precious. It's it's amazing how we'll take the press of the world, but we don't want to take the press of the purpose God has for our life. Just remember, you're the olive and there's something precious in you. Right. So. The green olive, this is interesting how God does it. He takes, uh, when the refiner takes something that he's gonna make better. So with this example of the olive, he takes a green olive, it's robust, it's strong to taste, right? That's new converts, that's that's that that's, that new walk in life, right? So we're young babes in Christ and we're, we're happy and we're excited, oh, I'm saved now. And every night I just got a little bit of a problem, right? And then he turns back around. He takes the black olive, something a little bit more seasoned, something that has great antioxidant, a more seasoned saint. He puts that person beside us so they can teach us and they give us the flavor that we should have. So it's kind of like when you look at the church, we have the old saints, we have the new saints. And the entire time we're trying to, com- we're trying to compete, it seems like, within the body of who's going to run the, the place, which anointing is greater, which oil is greater. Right. But at the same time, God wants us all saying that his anointing, it has to come together. It has to come together. We have to submit to the process. So your process and my process, they're different. They're not the same. They shouldn't be the same. Same refiner, different outcome. Right. So as we're pressed together, the new and the old. It blends together. Right. Then the oil is stored in a vat. That vat's never been used before. It's never been been compromised before. It doesn't have the opportunity to say that the past contaminants or the past situations or the past lifestyles are in that vat. We're, We're set apart now, we're consecrated. We're dedicated to a purpose that we have not yet seen. God has now placed us in a position where only he and I, or he and you, are in the mix. And he's letting us just grow in it. He's letting us sort of ferment in it. And he did still, he's working us through the process. So there are stages where we're alone. We feel misunderstood. It's consecration. You're trying to figure out, well, people say I have purpose. but well, what's my purpose? What's my calling? People say that I'm this, and people say that I'm that. But the entire time, we have to focus on what does the refiner say? about our process? Are we consecrated to the task that the refiner has given us and has established for us prior to us coming to the knowledge of him? Because he already knew us. Before he formed us in the womb, he knew us, right? So he's trying to get us back to that purpose that he wants to get us to because we have to have a certain empowerment, we have to have a certain taste, we have to have a certain flavor, we have to have a certain type of uh, medicinal benefit to those that we come in contact with as well as ourselves. So he takes us through this process, right? So now the oil in the refiner turns back around and the, the, the refiner places the oil into fire, into a vat, and he heats it up. Now the interesting thing with the heating process, if you can heat everything up, but if you heat olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, beyond 374 degrees, You start to lose the effectiveness of it once it's going to go into use. And so there's many oils and they they go through different temperatures. So the highest range is somewhere around like 450 and it has very little, very little beneficial uh, uh, parts left to it once it's already heated to that level. There's some oils that is heated to a lower temperature and there's barely any value to it. It has meaning, it has purpose, But there's something about the olive oil, that olive oil, that extra virgin olive oil, it took time. It was it was heated with a purpose. It was pressed with a purpose. It was separated with a purpose. It was stored with a purpose. It had a plan for it. Now, there's different grades of olive oil also. So we have some olive oil that's extra virgin. Then we have another olive oil that is just regular olive oil is good for cooking with, it's cooking oil. It's heated to around 405, 405 degrees. It has its purpose. Now one, you can eat right out the bottle. The other one, you can cook something and it still has a great health benefit to you. It's better than the other oils. It's better than the other situations that we come in contact with, right? So as it's heated and is given and is cooled and all of a sudden now, it's placed into the purpose that it has to go through. Now, this same oil, this same oil, it now provides light for some people. Some of us, we walked in darkness until God sent the oil. It looked like a person, but he was sending oil because we had, we had no way of seeing our way out. To some, we needed healing. And he sent his word and it healed us. He sent the bomb. He sent the, 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 the fragrance and the anointing that broke, that healed the broken places in our heart and in our minds and in our soul. Right? Then some of us, we needed to be strengthened. There are saved people walking right here right now. They're believers, but they're hurting. It's because they're looking for something, but they're trying to satisfy with natural things. They're looking to the laws of man to satisfy with natural things. They're looking to friends to satisfy with natural things. They're looking to even the scriptures trying to understand how can I take this thing and make it fit into this world so I can get the benefit out of it, but it doesn't satisfy. The one thing that satisfies is the oil, the anointing. The anointing is going to cost you. And we don't talk about it like we used to back in the day. When I was a younger child and I was going to church, the old church used to talk about the anointing every day. It was all they talked about. You had to go through for the anointing. You had to suffer a while. To get that anointing you had to press for the anointing the entire time i just didn't know what the anointing was i kept hearing people say it's going to cost you everything nobody really wants to give up everything but for christ we'll live for christ we'll die but we really don't die when we are with him we live eternally in him right so as we go through just to name a few The master desires for the oil to have its process and the refiner chooses to commit the oil to the desired result. So once I get it heated up, once God gets it heated up, he'll take it. He'll say, well, this right here, it endured the process. This right here need a little bit more processing. So it's still meat for the master's use. This one on the left, I will give this one to be eaten just as it's taken. Just as it is. It's, it's almost like giving Jesus. He said he was the bread that came down from heaven. God gave him and we were able to receive him just as he was. Just as he was. So the disciples, they walked with him. They saw him. They saw the miracles. People were coming to him. He was they were being healed and their eyes were being opened. Their ears were being unstopped and the lame was walking and, and people would rise from the dead. They were able to receive him just as he was. But there was a people who had, who had not yet seen him. It was us. We hadn't seen him. We never seen him before. So, he had to change form so that way he can touch us. So, getting still, once again, God had a plan. It all has a purpose. So, when we go and think about this thing, it's important that we walk out our purpose, right? So, the way that the refiner knows that the oil is ready for the process is called the smoke point. When comparing oil, the refiner applies heat as required to produce smoke. And the key indicator of the compounds in the oil, which is a, which will be invisible, when it's a bluish smoke comes visibly clear, it tells a refiner that my optimal level of power and benefit to those that will receive me is now available. And then that's when he begins to cool us down, he begins to take us out of the fire. But if we have more contaminants, if he has to purify us a little bit more, we can't be upset or we can't fall short and we can't give out and we can't just walk away because the process takes a little bit longer. Sister so-and-so, she prayed and God delivered. her. Brother so-and-so prayed and God didn't move right away. I prayed for my mother to be healed. My mother passed. It broke my heart. It didn't break my faith. I was in the room, my wife got sick, and I was woken by the Spirit of God and said, pray. My wife was dying, whether we realize it or not. She had pulmonary embolisms in her lungs and was dying. She was. I heard her, I heard her gurgling. I've known that sound. I was an EMT for five years, so I knew the sound of what it, was, what it was like for a person to be dying on their own blood. I knew that sound, and as I began to pray, as the Spirit of God gave me utterance, All of a sudden, she took a and went right to sleep. Two days later, we found out she had blood clots in her lungs. But all that was not anything for me. That was the anointing. I can't take any credit from that. That was the anointing of God. God stepped in. He said, speak. I spoke as I was commanded. And then the result came about. But guess what? I prayed one prayer and I gained a wife. I prayed another prayer and I lost my mother. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you your faith. It's gonna cost you to trust when it's not comfortable. It's it's gonna cost you to hang in there when what you say you love, you have to let go. And trust the process. The process is gonna cost you. The process is worth it, but it's gonna cost you. It's almost as if the refiner is saying, do you love me more than these? It's the same thing he told Peter. Lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. You know I do. But he asked him again, and he asked him three times. There's going to be times in our life when the Lord is going to say, do you love me more than these? Do you love my process? Do you love the end result more than the stuff that's right here in your hand, right here in your face? Will you choose him? That's the question that he wants to know today. Because he's anointing you. With a purpose. All right. So there's another thing I used to hear as a child growing up in church. And it's found in Isaiah 10, verse 27 in the King James Bible. And it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from his shoulders, and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed. Because of the anointing, so when we think about that word, now when I was a child, I didn't hear the whole verse, but there was a. I didn't realize the the anointing that destroyed the yoke that was being destroyed by the anointing. I was hooked up with the wrong plow. I was I was plowing the wrong field. So that yoke, that biblical term of yoke, or that old term of yoke, or it's a farming term, right? Because we still have oxen, we still have yokes nowadays. So. They were yoked two oxen up together, and they had to be equally as strong. They had to be equal in gait. They had to be equal in power and ability to pull when the master said, let's go. Because otherwise, the line went towards the strongest one. So they had to be equal. They had to be equal to the task. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So here's the interesting thing. We have an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God. He says, I'm going to destroy the yoke from off your neck. I want you to take my yoke and I'm going to hook up with you. Now, he's all powerful. He's still going to cut that thing straight. He's still going to cut your life straight. You think that, well, Lord, I'm not fit. Lord, I ain't ready. He said, no, it's my anointing that makes you ready. It's that empowerment that I place upon you that's going to make you equal to me. So when we start talking about the anointing, what we really need to figure out is, how do I get in him? Because that's where the anointing is. He said, if my word abide in you and you abide in me, you could ask what you will and it shall be done for you. The, the end part is, yes, I could, there's a lot of people that know the word. We know a lot of people that can quote scripture all day long. But they have a hard time living it. They, we struggle a lot of times with not just the word that we receive, not the word that we hear, but the word we got to walk. That's where the anointing kicks in, because that's when you're yoked up with Jesus. That's when you're you're pulling that line with Jesus. It's not just enough to say, I can quote scripture. I got to walk that thing, because when you walk it, people are going to follow your line. It's either going to drop them crooked or it's going to draw them straight. And you can tell who's anointed and who's not. You can tell where the oil has been applied and you can tell where it's not. But then the choice is, do I want the artificial oil or do I want the oil? The oil. That oil of gladness, that oil that makes the saints' souls high and happy, and it makes them strong. It makes them effective. They know their God and they do exploits in his name. It's that oil. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. So, the NIV starts to say also about this same verse it says, The anointing, the yoke will be broken because you have grown fat. You have grown fat. You, you got to mature in this thing. You grow in this thing. You can't grow without being anointed. One of the things that, that happens as we grow and we, we mature in life, our skin continues to grow as we get older. But it produces enough oil so that way it doesn't tear and stretch itself open and allow itself to be contaminated by infections and, and penetrated from impurities from the outside that can cause the body to decay and then to die so the body itself it produces enough oil so it can grow I don't care if you grow on vertical you grow horizontal or you're doing all of them at the same time you're gonna have pain and growth but there's enough oil to get you through you see people walking right here and they're, they're well developed and they got stretch marks and this and that because they had, they had grown to a certain point that their body said hey I to it's a rapid growth I can't sustain. However, I refuse to die in it. I refuse to allow contaminants in. So I may be stretched beyond measure. I may be pressed to my farthest extent, but I will produce enough oil. I'm going to trust that I was made for this and I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to allow that oil to come forth and then I'll come forth and it's going to grow. I'll be strong. But a lot of times when we get under pressure, we don't trust the oil. We don't trust the refiner. We go back and we try to do it in our own strength. And then that line goes crooked. And it's amazing how we can always say, hey, Lord, help me. Because now we're off the course. We're getting a result that we don't want. We're getting an, an, an outcome that we thought we had under control. But yet and still, the enemy in our flesh controlled us. And then we wake up one day going, oh, man, how did I get here? And who are you? Who are you? Those are questions that we ask other people, but we really should point that thing back at ourselves. Who am I? Who am I outside of his anointing? Because the Bible says in Colossians that our real life is hidden in Christ. What's that? That's that word again, in. is hidden in Christ with God. So at the end of the day, we got to get back to what the old saints were talking about. We got to get up under that anointing. We got to get it in us. We got to get it where we... It's the thing that drives us to walk every day. It's the thing that drives us to talk every day. It's the thing that drives us to love every day. It's the thing that drives us to move as we need to move every day. Far too often we allow the political landscape or our social economic status or the people that we know or don't know or biases, we allow those things to drive us when the whole time it's all about the anointing. We allow those impurities into the oil To defile the oil. And God is just saying, would you keep the lid right? Can you focus on keeping the lid right? And we keep trying to spread this oil everywhere. But we don't own the oil. We're just the vessels. We're the vessels. So, Jesus, the son of the most high God. We're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 20. I'm going to read this really quick. Uh when, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And he said, and they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, "But well, who do you say I am? I like it how Jesus can make it personal for us. He wants us to understand who he is to each and every one of us. He's asking us each and every day, who do you say I am? When life stands up and it begins to talk crazy to us and talk reckless to us. And the reason I say crazy and reckless is because a lot of times, if we really understood who we were, we understand when people talk in records. In the natural. We get it. Like, I don't know who you think you're talking to. I'm not that one. But then turn back around, our flesh and the spirit of the enemy will come up in all kinds of little situations and say reckless things to us, trying us as if we're not the anointed, we're not the call, that we're not the priests of the Most High God. But then we answer them in our flesh, which almost proves that we don't know who we are. So Jesus is saying, do you know who I am? Right? Because as he is, as a believer, so are we. So he goes on. And Simon Peter said, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the anointing, the son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bojona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee also that thou art Peter. It's amazing. When you understand who you are, you get that next level. You get access to something that you didn't have access to before. You get a little bit more of the anointing when it's revealed to you who you really are. When you really start to see Jesus as as he is, you really start to see God for who he is. You really start to see Holy Spirit for who he is. You you, you get a, a better understanding of who we are. Who I am. Who you are. Who the body of Christ is. So. And he says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to do all I can not to talk about that one too much right now. And I will give unto thee the, kingdoms of, the kingdom of heaven, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. It's interesting that Once he realized who Jesus was, that he was the anointed one. And he was in the presence of the anointing and had been in the presence of the anointing. That whatever was on Jesus had began to rub off on them. It gave him an insight, an understanding that, you know what? When you speak now, your words should be different. There should be some power, some anointing in what you're saying. There's very few times lately I have heard people praying and they were binding and loosing. Oh, we speak the name of Jesus. But there's a power that comes with binding and loosing. There's a responsibility that comes with binding and loosing. There's an anointing that is placed upon you within us that has the ability to bind and loose. It's not popular anymore. Because we don't don't want to put ourselves at risk. We're afraid of what we may look like if it don't happen the way I say it should happen but then you're not trusting what the anointing you're not trusting the oil in the scriptures the prophet prayed that it wouldn't rain and it rained for three years then he prayed it would rain and then it rained he understood his anointing he still had moments of challenge he still had moments that he fell down but he understood at that moment when I when I say something God will shut the heavens up at my worst at my voice God will loose the heavens at my voice. This is before it was even written. So the interesting part of this whole thing is when we start to look at this whole thing, we see Jesus. As Jesus is going through, he lands in Caesarea Philippi. So a real quick brief history. Caesarea Philippi was in the location of where the tribe of Dan used to be at. The tribe of Dan had a great judge and a warrior by the name of Samson. Samson lost his battle in this area. He lost, and then the the Greco-Roman culture came in, and they made it a place of pagan worship, and they would have all kind of orgies and all kind of inappropriate lifestyle things going on in that particular region. And I find it interesting that Jesus get to there, to that point, and says to his disciples, "Who who do people say that I am? If you study a little bit further, when you go into Matthew 17, oh Lord, you go into Matthew 17, the 18th chapter, it goes back and says that when Jesus got to there, to that location, he also transfigured there. So he had his 70 that he was mentoring, he had his 12 that he was discipling, and then he had his clique, he had his three Peter, James, and John. One what one person he chose right off the boat. The other two, their mother said, hey, can my son have your right and your left? Kind of like Samson. His mother made a promise that these boys had to go keep. So Jesus said, okay. When he transfigured, he showed them who he really was. There's very few people you can really show your anointing. You can operate in it, absolutely. But you can't walk around just saying, I'm anointed for this. I'm anointed for this. I'm anointed. No, just do it. And you pour where the master says pour. Just operate where the master says operate. That way you can actually do what you're supposed to do. All right. So now we're going to go down to Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, hope you got your Bibles still. We go to Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, verses 20 through 22, King James Version. All right. But in a great house, There are not only vessels of gold and silver. So there's the vessels again, gold and silver. He's a refiner, gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and of earth. Some to honor, some to dishonor. If any, if a man therefore purges himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Now it turns back around and says, flee youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, Charity, peace, with them that call on the name, call on the Lord of a pure heart. So as we transition over from Second Timothy and uh, from Malachi, mentions the same thing: the the whole, the, the gold cup and the silver, right? So there are certain things that we we look at when you got into Timothy. He starts talking about how you're going to handle the truth, you know, the word of truth. Then he starts talking about being dedicated like a soldier, the discipline it takes to be a soldier. Then he said, you know, as an athlete, you got to take care of your temple. You got to take care of the body. You got to make sure you're physically fit, which is also not like saying that my body doesn't matter. So we can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And I think a lot of times we've taken that out of context. But this, in my opinion, is the best way to apply this verse. We have to be fit for the task of being a vessel that's ready for work. If you don't change the oil in your car, it's only so long before that oil is going to give out. And when that oil gives out, you normally blow your engine. Now you're stuck on the side of the road. Now you need praying for resources. It's the same thing in our spiritual life. We have to take care of this temple. We have to make sure that it eats right, it gets its exercise, that we hydrate it, that we give it everything that it needs to make sure that we're in position. So when the master says run, we can run. When he says walk, you walk. When he says speak, you speak. When he says pray, you pray without ceasing. But if we don't do those things, we're not prepared for that. So he starts talking about the work of a farmer. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Then he starts talking about how you understand scripture and how to rightly divide the word of truth. Then he goes into the blessing, suffering a condition. The blessing, the condition to suffer in it. Sometimes we're going to be not liked so much. Sometimes people will say some pretty nasty things about you. Sometimes your name will be spoken in a way that's not even true about you. Just because they want to try to make you feel like you don't matter. But when you know that you are who God says you are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about those things. But we're going to go a little further, right? So, because this is the beautiful part. It says, if we have died with him. So now I got to be dead to that stuff. I got to be dead to the opinions of people. I got to be dead to my opinion of myself sometimes. Because my worst critic is me. People say some reckless things, but some of the stuff that we say about ourselves. Oh, yeah, that's 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 kind of different right there. Right. So if we suffer with him, if, if we de- have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And so then he starts talking about the unashamed worker. We can't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation unto man. Right. So then he goes into the clean vessel. And that's what we just got through reading. Right. So the vessel. That we're talking about here, and uh, same verse, but in the new uh, the NIV New International Version, it speaks of how the the vessels are for some vessels are for for honorable use or for like special guests, and then another one is just for like common use, right? So I'm quite sure everybody has that that set of cups that they just use when it's just the family or just those really close friends. You know, I, I me, I'm a turvis cup guy, right? So I got my turvis cups and out because they hold a lot of stuff. I don't have to keep getting up and down when I want something to drink. I just got my Tervis cup, right? But when we get company to come over, we got these little cobalt glasses that they about this big and they're cute. They real frilly, you know, you, you, you don't dishwash them, you hand wash them, you hand dry them, and you put them back in this little safe place. With my Tervis cup, I stick it in a dishwasher. My Tervis cup, I leave it in the car. I just pray that I don't leave it in the sun because then it crack, right? So, but there's times where you have stuff that's just used for common use. And we take that word common use like it's a bad thing. Because if you think about it, you you feel as though your you're anointing is just being used like your common. Well, the greeter at the door, do you know how important they are? That's the first contact. You're the first contact before they even hear the word, before they even hear the singing, before they even receive a prayer, before they even give a tithe or an offering. You're the greeter. What an honor. But your contact time is, that long but people think that's common people don't want to serve there people that do like to serve there they receive the benefit of being well known and respected in their communities but they're not heard so that's not the grandiose spot right they don't they're not that have we believe that they don't have a special purpose but they are so they're so critical it's so important those same people are the same people that when you see them in the stores they're praying for people they're hugging people they're known in the streets for being God's chosen right so there's common places right so the bible speaks of some were made of wood and some were made of earth i kind of like that one where it says some was made of wood and some was made of earth because i know someone that was at one point in time he was hung on some wood and he was fashioned after me he made he made, he made himself my kinsman redeemer he, he became the access point for us to get into the things that god had for us his name is jesus jesus was easily he could have easily said, I don't want to do this plan. I'm going to do something different. Matter of fact, in the garden, the cup, he said, Father, bid this cup pass from me. He said, don't, I, don't, I, I know I'm anointed to do what I'm doing. I don't want this next cup of oil because this cup of oil right here, I got to die for it. Are we willing to die for that oil? Because at the same, when he died for the oil, he took it in. We got life. Eternal. Are you willing to take the oil so someone besides you can have life eternal? Are you willing to, to take the shame and be called names and be, be ostracized and cast cast aside and, and and just like just mutilated? If you understood what Jesus went through, they said that there was a centurion of soldiers. They beat him in his face. I don't want to be punched once. He took multiple punches. From a garrison of soldiers. People that were trained to strike blows with great effectiveness. They pulled his beard from his face. They they whipped him. They mocked him. They did all these things. And not one time did he say, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. He looked at us. He looked at me. He looked at you and said, they're worth the oil. They're worth the press. Because they belong to me. They're mine. When I, my, when I received my lashes, I received my stripes, I received the punches and the bruises, I, I've earned the right to call them mine. I've earned the right to be their refiner. I've earned the right to be the standard bearer and to set the example. He's earned the right to tell us, endure. You're able, you're able to endure. So the weird thing about this whole thing is this. We have, uh, my wife and I have four kids. And there's one particular child, when she was a child, she was an infant, she, uh, we had this tendency of putting our children uh, in our bedroom when they were younger, not now, they're grown now, so you know, they ain't sleeping in us, nowhere near us in name of Jesus. Um, so when they were small, we would put their bed, or their crib rather, in a corner in the room. We would take the bed and we would trap that crib into the corner, so that way, our children, I don't can't speak for anybody. Our children had that that propensity of climbing out when you wasn't looking. They was escape artists. They they were just like just they were like ninja babies or something. I don't know, right? So there was one particular child. This particular child understood that they could not get out. But what the child also understood was this: in the middle of the night, if I need something, I know how to get it. This particular child wouldn't cry. This particular child didn't make a whole bunch of noise. This particular child, they would get the bottle and they would drink. And my wife being the skilled mother she is, I just don't have this DNA in me, but my wife, she has this skill. She could hear when the child is sucking on a bottle and sucking air. So she conditioned the child that basically when mommy heard sucking air, mommy would get up out of a dead sleep go get another bottle, bring it to the child, hand it to the child, take the empty one away, and then the child would just do what it had to do. Mommy would burp it, back to sleep. Well, eventually, the child got to almost a year old. Now she's still able able to get up and stand up when she wants to. what she learned how to do? She understood one thing. She said, I can cast my care. I ain't got to cry. She would take this empty bottle. And for some reason, I became the target. I love her. She loves me. I know she loves me. But I became the target. But she would cast, think about this, follow this inscription, she would cast her care upon her father. Because she understood one thing, if I can get my father's attention, everything that I need will be supplied. Everything I need will be met. All I have to do is cast it. And this is the beautiful part. There was some times where she would cast it and she would hit daddy in the head. And then she laughed laugh when she see me wake up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Cause why? I can't deny myself. When I see her, I saw me. When my wife saw her, she saw herself. So we—it's it, hard, it's hard to deny yourself. God's the same way with us. Jesus is the same way with us. It's hard for him to deny himself when he sees that anointing on our life. It's hard for him to deny himself when he sees us struggling. It's hard for him to deny himself and not perform what he's supposed to do as his father, as a good father, not an earthly father, but a good father it's hard for him to stand back and just watch his baby get hurt. So what he does is, what we did was, Mama would get up, she'd get her a bottle. Now, there was times when she would miss. The bottle wouldn't hit me, it would land in between us, or it would just overshoot. We wouldn't know it. The child wouldn't even cry. Because she knew one thing, there's a certain time, Mommy's going to wake up. There's a certain time, Daddy's going to roll over. And when they do, they're going to see me. And she wasn't complaining. She didn't gripe. She didn't moan. When she saw our face and she realized our eyes was open, all she did was this. I got a need. And you can supply it. How would it work in our life if all we said was, Father, I got a need. And I need the anointing right now. I need your anointing right now. I need your spirit right now. I need your presence right now. Not fight, not yell, not scream, not march, not riot, not burn down, not call names, but just Father, I stretch my hands unto thee. No other do I know. How about those demon? That's when you're in your anointing. You're not anointed to go and wage war with flesh. You're going to wait, you're anointed to wage war in the spirit realm. That's when you ask your father for strength for that. And you ever notice that when you ask for strength for the right thing, he gives it. He gives you the oil to deal with the problem. He gives you the anoint- his anointing, his presence. And the wonderful thing about when my wife would get up, she understood one thing. Now, it wasn't so much when daddy got up, but, you know, y'all pray for me. But when mama got up, not only would she get food, she would get cared for. Mommy would check her, make sure there ain't nothing wet, nothing, you no, know, nothing packed in the pamper. She would make sure she didn't have any like wet clothes on, anything from like sweating. My my wife is an is an amazing mom. I just, I was blessed that way, right? So, um, so the kids, this this particular child, she benefited from it to the point where she knew that she could get what she needs without even asking. She took away the pacifier at nine months. She spit the pacifier out and never picked it up again. She said, "Cause all I have to in her mind is as if she said." all I have to do is get my parents' attention because everything I need will be supplied. I got my little blanket. I'm not going to throw away my confidence because in time, I got what I need. What happened to us being able to wait on the Lord, wait for him to bring it to pass? What happened to us being able to trust and have confidence in him? Because the Bible says it has great recompense of reward. And when we have what we hold on to our confidence in him, we have to hold on to and trust our confidence in him. So this particular child, to this day, will get up, walk through the house, go downstairs, and will eat. Because guess what? She's in her father's house. She knows provision is there in her father's house, in her mother's house. She knows that if she buys it, it is still there. So she can pay the cost. To have what she wants and if she ever runs short there's always excess and overflow because now she has access to everything it's nice being anointed because when you're anointed you got access when you have access to the things of god you don't have to stress about everything else when you have access and you know for a fact when i smell like what god says i am when i come into this presence i'm coming and there's an aroma that's coming before me because why the smoke of God is burning off of me and he sees me and it's like a blue flame and he sees that smoke test, right? That smoke point. He sees the smoke point and he smells the fragrance. He said, that's worship. That's someone that loves me. That's someone that's coming. So when we get to him, we have, we get the help that we need in the time of trouble. We also get access when there ain't no trouble. Sometimes we just want to sit in daddy's lap. Sometimes we just need to be in his presence. Just I just want to sit here. I just need to be in your presence because I need some understanding of how to live this life. I love my friends. I love my pastors. I love my wife. But there's moments in life where I just got to really sit down and just say, God, I'm struggling. Everybody struggles. God, I'm struggling. This right here moment in my life, I need oil for it. I don't have the energy, the heat, the light, and the healing to go forward from this point. I need you. He hasn't failed yet. He hasn't failed yet. All right. So. He hasn't failed yet. So the one thing is, I want you to understand something. That same one. He's available. He's available to you today. Right now. He's available. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. So, we're gonna close out in prayer real quick. And then we're going we're going. I'm gonna throw it out there now. If you're considering Jesus Christ, if you're considering Jesus Christ, where's after this prayer, that'll be the opportunity for you to make that confession of faith. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to, to share your word, Father God, Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will go forth and take whatever you need to take from this message, Father God, and bless who it needs to bless, to empower who needs to empower. To bring clarity to whoever needs to bring clarity to, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that your word shall not return to you void, Father God, but it shall accomplish that which you please, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for the strength and the wisdom that you're going to place in your people, Father God, to walk all right before you and to walk holy, and that their hearts will be dedicated towards you. That our, our lives will be turned towards you, that our, our thoughts and our every desire for this life and in the life to come will be based on your viewpoint, based on your standard, and based on your expectations through your word for your people. In Jesus' name. So, um, really quick, we're going to go to salvation. Um, There's a man named Jesus who walked this earth, who died, gave up his life for you and me. He accepted the responsibility of the oil that was placed upon him. And the great part is, he said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. He committed the oil back to the Father. And the Father rose him up again. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. He intercedes for us because he knows what it means to be us nowadays. He knows how hard it is to make a good call when life presses on you. Sometimes we just make those calls in our own, in our own strength, and it doesn't turn out the way we want it. I can tell you for a fact, there is a Savior. I know he is. If you need that help, if you need someone to give you the guidance and the instruction that you need in this life and a benefit that you will have eternal life with him so that way you can praise him for getting you through this, repeat after me. Father God, I thank you that you love me, that you keep me, and that you kept me when I was an enemy. I thank you that you You have an opportunity that you made just for me to come home, that you prepared a way for me to come home. And Lord, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I've done things wrong for a long time. I just need you. I need you. I need you. I need to be able to come home and call you Father. So Lord, today, I acknowledge that you died for me. I acknowledge that you rose for me. And I open my heart and I accept you as my Lord, not just my savior, but as my Lord. So you can tell me what I need to do and how to do it. I accept you as my savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming into my life. Lead me, guide me, I'll never be the same. If you prayed that, and you believed it with your heart, that's all it took. Didn't take a whole room full of people, you just had, you had to make an altar on your heart, make a decision and just walk. Now, here's the fun part. Now you got to get around some people that believe. Not just say they believe, but believe. You got to start getting into your word, praying for understanding. Pray that God will send you someone that can help you understand. Because God will. So, um, if you'd like to give an offering or a donation or a tithe, uh, please visit Uh, www.otm.net Thank you for helping us build the kingdom of the Lord.